generally in this time after zuhur salah we read from the kitabs of our kabir and take the lessons that they have imparted to us the lessons that they have given this is where we gain the direction we are able to find what is the path forward the barakat that is in their words that we can't find in our words obviously so this is the purpose of reading from the kitabs the primary thing the purpose and the object of all this is our islah objective of all these various discussions and the entire effort itself the object is how we can try and acquire our islah what does this islah mean so islah literally is to rectify something correct something so now in a person for example person's car is in a state of disrepair it's not working it's not moving there are whole lot of things that are not in order so that he takes it to the workshop and he says must fix it up sort it out so now they fix one thing up and send it back but the other one dozen things are just left as it is so the person is not going to be satisfied with that that one aspect got fixed up so it's fine even though the other one doesn't got left as is so on the one side he'll be grateful that the one thing did get fixed up alhamdulillah but that's not still going to allow the vehicle to be functioning correctly and that can still be dangerous for him it can still lead to an accident that can be fatal though it might be now moving it was first not even moving but if the brakes are not yet fixed up what's going to be the outcome so that car the islah that car would be when now it is in good working order and whatever the problems were have all been attended to now likewise we do have in our heart and mind that we want to acquire our islah but we sometimes pick and choose what we want to deal with certain things we decide okay this is something that i should make an effort on and this particular part of my life this is something just leave it as it is now i can't get into this matter now so then that is still going to be very dangerous because whatever a person has made an effort on that too might get lost in the process the effort has to be to attend to all the issues in a person's life to bring in the do's and to get rid of the don'ts all this has to be worked on simultaneously nothing happens overnight generally that's not the way it works there's an ongoing effort but the focus must be on complete islah a person wants to make tea so if he wants to make tea then he has to put everything together in one place is water and he has to put the tea bag in the same water 
and then after that the milk will be added to that same mixture and then that sugar perhaps if it's required will be added to the same mixture so then at the end of that whole process he'll end up with tea but he puts some water in one cup nicely boiled also and he puts a tea bag in another cup and then he puts some milk in a third cup and then he presents all this to somebody and he says, well, the tea is all prepared, it's ready. He says, I can't see any tea in front of me. Because all in different places, it has to be done in a correct process. The process of Islam also, a person now is doing one thing, missing out something else. Everything has to be worked on. Now, many a times when we get motivated to acquire Islam, generally... It is towards the do's. Generally, this is the way it is. Alhamdulillah, that too is a very big big step forward. And if a person was not performing his salah, he now starts performing his salah. Alhamdulillah, that's a very big thing forward. That's a gigantic step forward. person was not fulfilling his zakat, for example. Now he became conscious of it. Now he's working out all the past that was not even sorted out, which is necessary, obviously. Zakat is farz. If his zakat for past years was not discharged, he has to work backwards and calculate what was outstanding and make sure it gets discharged. And likewise, the other aspects of deen which have to be fulfilled. So that's a very big thing forward, alhamdulillah. But then in terms of the don'ts, either there's no focus towards it or one or two things are then selected and the rest of life just carries on. If a person is not fulfilling the requirements in terms of his mu'amalat, for example, his monetary dealings, how he should be transacting correctly, how he should be staying away from everything that Allah Ta'ala has forbidden in terms of his transactions, his dealings, whether it is getting involved in, for example, interests in let alone taking interest, even in giving interest. Or for that matter, any kind of fraudulent dealing, any kind of deception, any kind of involvement in transactions which are not completely above board. So now, sometimes you say, well, this, this is something which is a different department now. If I start now getting too deep in this, then everything will go haywire. Just leave this now, we'll sort the other things out. But that part of deen which is related to mu'abalat, our dealings, that is where the person's earnings come from. If that is not in order, the earnings are contaminated. If the earnings are contaminated, then that contaminated income is going to bring contaminated consumption. The item itself might be halal completely, but it was purchased with contaminated income. So now that contaminated consumption, he's going to eat that, he's going to consume that, he's going to feed his family that. And the outcome of it, Allah Ta'ala in the Quran Sharif gives a command to the Anbiya Ali Musalam, Ya Ayyuhar Rusul, Kulu min al-tayyibati wa'amalu saliha. O messengers, Allah Ta'ala commands the messengers that eat from the pure sustenance and do righteous actions. The Ali Musalam, the Rasul of Allah Ta'ala, Ma'asum, sinless, 
they were perfect human beings and beyond the rank of the angels also. But Allah Ta'ala is commanding them as a lesson to us that if my Anbiya Ali Musalam are commanded with this, that the link between pure earnings and pure sustenance and righteous actions, that this is the link. To the extent the person's earnings are pure, untainted, earned in a completely halal manner, that will bring the outcome of righteous actions. So, if the Ambiyani Musalam have been commanded with this, despite them being masoom and sinless, their mu'amalat also 100% perfect, everything perfect, this is meant to emphasize this message upon us. How careful we have to be. So now the person is not concerned about that, but he's concerned about some other aspects of deen. But now these, the contaminated earnings are going to now start affecting everything. Gradually, that too will get left out. The effect of this will overcome that as well. Now this is just one example, like this all the other aspects of deen, whether it's our mu'asharat, our social life, how we live with people, how we interact with others, whether it is in our own home, how we interact with our spouses, our children, most importantly our parents, other family members. It's all part of deen and not just a, an optional part of deen. These, they are compulsory aspects related to mu'asharat. The maqam and the position of parents and how they should be respected, how they should be uh, treated, what khidmat should be made, and likewise other family members, sila rahmi, maintaining of family relationships, all this is a fundamental part of deen. Likewise our akhlaq, what kind of akhlaq we adopt, all these are essential aspects in deen, these are not optional aspects. So now if a person is, mashallah, conscious of ibadat, alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, but then he is neglecting all this, then Islah, what is called Islah, that's not going to be achieved. And especially in the path of Islah, what we have heard about, what we are hoping to try and achieve, one of the most, or the greatest emphasis generally, apart from obviously the Aqaid, the Imaniyad, and then the Faraiz, there's no way that that can be overemphasized. But after this, the greatest emphasis is placed on akhlaq. After the aspects of imaniyat and the faraiz, the most emphasis is placed on akhlaqiyat. Because this is what makes a person insan. And if he becomes a true insan, becomes a correct human being, then inshallah he'll be able to understand how he should conduct himself in all aspects of life. So this is the concept of Islah. It's not something that pick and choose, select some things, leave some things out. Therefore, Mashafali Thami Rahmatullah he used to say to people that agar buzruk banna ho, to kahi aur chale jao. This was just in a way of, obviously people became among the biggest buzruks in his company. Saints and pious people. But he stood in order to drive the lesson home. 
to drive the lesson home he used to say agar buzurg banna ho to kahi aur chale jao you know become a buzurg go somewhere else go and join somebody else if you want to become a buzurg agar insaan banna ho to yaha ho if you want to become an insaan you want to become a human being you want to learn how to live as a human being because insaan is insaan but if insaan doesn't maintain those qualities that should be in insaan then even the quran sharif declares in whom illa kal an'am bal hum adal people who have lost that insaniyat and lost what insaan is all about and lost that connection with allah taala allah taala says they are like animals rather worse than animals they don't have iman also and they don't have any insaniyat also so insaan can stoop so low so in any case the lesson in all this is that we have to learn to become true insaan and when a person has learned to become true insaan then that is a stepping stone to become a true musliman because a musliman cannot be a correct and a true musliman and a muslim in the true sense of the word without becoming a proper insaan unfortunately that is where the problem often is that if a person is fulfilling certain parts of deen he feels everything is done now he's accomplished everything and therefore how he conducts himself how he lives with others how he does his dealings what is the kind of akhlaq he displays what is lurking in his heart all these things are just left on the side as a result we don't make the progress that we were we are hoping to make and we keep going in some circles but that is where we get left so this is what islah is all about that making an effort on all the departments of deen and inculcating all these qualities within us that make us true insan true musliman now this is obviously previously in order to try and acquire this islah this was a very common thing previously going back decades before and maybe even further behind in time few centuries back people would spend sometimes years like a person goes to the madrasa and he spends six years seven years to complete a course in nisab and complete a complete uh, syllabus of study to now formally graduate graduate as an alim graduate as a hafiz graduate in some way so likewise people felt it necessary to go and spend years in the company of some pious person and correct themselves to become a true mu'min to inculcate the correct qualities in their hearts until that wasn't really acquired they felt this is still undone we got to just remain here and this was a very common thing once upon a time it was years then it became shorter times people started spending nevertheless four months at a time more then it became lesser then gradually it became such that people forgot about this concept altogether illa mashallah some pockets here and there people understood there's a need for islah there's a need to correct ourselves to rectify our hearts to connect our hearts with allah taala apart from some pockets of things happening here and there this whole concept was forgotten if a person was performing his salah he felt everything was done even if that salah itself was haphazard and sometimes done and sometimes missed and that salah was without any life in it 
the first well, he's making salah, so everything is done. What is the level of akhlaq and how his dealings are and how he's conducting himself in other aspects meant nothing to him. So, that whole concept got lost. Illa mashallah. Allah's fazal, Allah's karam, Allah ta'ala then brought about such personalities who then revived it. But after this having been revived in the sense that now the word Islam has been heard. There's some understanding, there's something called Islam. We have to acquire this Islam. But the effort to try and acquire this Islam, sometimes we are still far from what the actual effort is. Some little bit here and there. So in any case, this is an opportunity Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. That now we have this de- 10 days dedicated to try and acquire the understanding at least of this Islam and to make some commitments within ourselves that we need to walk this path and this is not an option because we need to walk the path, the path leads where? this is the path that leads to Allah Ta'ala so when it's the path that leads to Allah Ta'ala because the path of Islam, Islam is for what? Islam is to remove all the barriers between us and reaching Allah Ta'ala gaining that connection with Allah Ta'ala so when that is the path, so if a person leaves this path, where else is he going to go? Meaning if he leaves the path of Islam, of correcting himself, of rectifying his heart, he doesn't take any concern in that regard that I should remove all the evil qualities from myself, I should inculcate all the noble qualities, I should correct my life in terms of my mu'amalat, my mu'asharat. If this is not going to happen, then where else, what else is left then? Then he is the path to Jahannam, Allah forbid. So this is not an optional aspect. This is farz. Islah is farz. Often, another misconception is that if a person has become bay'at somewhere, then everything is done. Bay'at is not farz. Bay'at is sunnat. Islah is farz. If a person hasn't become bayat anywhere, but he has made his islah, the purpose is achieved. Bayat brings in a lot of barakat. It is sunnah obviously, so then that has its own tremendous barakat. But it's not farz. So when it is not farz, then if a person hasn't become bayat, that itself is not necessarily an issue that he can never gain his islah. But islah itself is farz. Now that is the point that we sometimes lose in the process that Islam is for us. Now, this is a very vast discussion, very vast field itself. So there are many, many things that need to be corrected, many things that need to be rectified in our lives. But when a person undertakes the process and he keeps in communication with whoever he has now, resorted to for his Islam, whoever he has taken as a guide, whoever's mashwara he is now taking to help him along, and he is in regular communication, he is explaining his halat, his conditions, he is highlighting what might be the deficiencies, where the pitfalls are that he is finding himself falling in, that he is not managing to complete certain necessary work, or he is finding himself getting caught up in things he shouldn't be getting involved in, now he is communicating, taking the advice. This is a process. 
That is the process by means of which this path is then traversed. Then he is now not just relating, but then the advice that is given, he is making an effort to implement the advice. He is making an effort to implement the advice, then that starts taking him step for step forward. So this is the process, this is how this Islam is acquired. So there are many, many things. Previously, people used to be taken through this path in a very detailed manner. And hence they used to dedicate themselves for years, sometimes gestation, the khidmat of that personality and in that khanqa, and doing nothing else, just dedicating themselves to their Islam. And when they did that, and thereafter they moved out into the world, after this was achieved, one one person was enough for vast areas, lit up the whole place. So in any case, that used to be a common practice then, but as time went, people's courage also became very much, very little, and people didn't have that energy, that time. So Mashaikh have then simplified it. And as time went, they simplified it further. He brought it down to the core. So in this time and age, People don't even have that ability and himmat and courage and strength and they just lack that what is required to now give that time and dedication to a lengthy period being based somewhere for their Islam. He brought it down to the core. I see in this time and age a person, he latches on to these few things. Inshallah he too will reach the same place where others reached. Perhaps he might not be the first class coach, but if he's a third class coach and still attached to the train, he'll also get where the train reaches, the same station. He might not be on that same level of comfort, the same uh, facilities and amenities, but inshallah he'll get to the same station, provided he's attached. So likewise, in the matter of the Islam part of it, Hazrat brought it down to the core. Brought it down to the core and the core was, he used to start off by saying, but just don't do one thing only. Obviously it's a very simple line to say, but in this one line is everything. Say, but ek kaam mat karo, guna mat karo. Just don't do one thing, don't disobey Allah Ta'ala. Full stop. Don't disobey Allah Ta'ala and you'll get there. As mentioned, this is one line, but in this one line is everything. Now this is the issue of how to get to that one line. How to get to that one line has then brought it down to a few very, just brought it down to a few aspects and said if these four things, person brings these four things into his life very well, in this time and age, this will pave the way. Not everything. This will pave the way for everything else to fall into place. And this he said at the tail end of his life. He this is my 70 years of experience. 70 years of experience. Person brings his few things into his life very well. He becomes very, very conscious about it. Practices on it very thoroughly. 
then inshallah everything else will fall into place easily. It's not that nothing else to do. It is that everything else will fall into place easily. So now this is the kitab that we have in our hand. The kitab titled Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala. person has acquired Allah Ta'ala's friendship, the muhabbat of Allah has come in his heart. That muhabbat, that's the driving force. When that muhabbat comes into his heart, that will drive him to do everything else that needs to be done and will drive him away from anything and everything that will become a disruption in this muhabbat. It will become an obstacle in this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. This month of Ramadan is all about taqwa. Taqwa is developing this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. Taqwa is not just some dry concept. Taqwa is not something abstract. Taqwa is a living relationship with our Rabb. The word relationship is very commonly used. We understand what a relationship means. person has a true relationship with somebody. And that is something totally different than somebody who is just an acquaintance somewhere. Somebody he just knows as a friend. Or somebody he just knows as a colleague. Somebody he just knows as a musalli in the masjid. <coughs> so somebody he just knows, he just knows, he passes in, he makes salam and carries on. Sometimes you might ask him how is he feeling and so on. But there is a friendship, there is a relationship. Then even in the middle of the night, the person calls and stuck on the road somewhere, he is ready to go and help. He will leave anything and everything to go and assist. Why? Because this is his very close friend. This is his, some very close relative whom he has a very good relationship with. So now, that relationship changes the whole reaction. And some stranger, okay, I'll come see tomorrow. And then tomorrow too, he's not interested. So now, the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. When there's a relationship with Allah Ta'ala, what Allah Ta'ala wants from us, that becomes a pleasure to do. What Allah Ta'ala has forbidden us, it becomes an extremely important thing in a person's life that I have to stay away from this. Otherwise, it's going to disrupt the relationship. So taqwa is all about building this relationship with Allah Ta'ala. So this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, this is this relationship. So Hazrat compiled this kitab in the latter years of his life. He was perhaps past 70 already when he compiled this little kitab called Four Actions. And at that time, the summary of this, he is to have it said in the majlis, after the majlis, by somebody, one of the close people would stand up and then give the summary of this. Sometimes three times a day, sometimes four times a day. The same lesson, the same message, three times, four times a day. This is my life's experience I am passing on. Now, there's something in Arabic that he said, Man jarrab al-mujarrab, halla bihin nadama. A very simple way of understanding what this means is, if somebody tries to go and reinvent the wheel, that's a simple explanation of this. Man jarrab al-mujarrab. Now somebody decides, no, no, I want to try and reinvent the wheel. This wheel now is so too old now, it's carrying on from ages. We need something new, because in this world now, things need to keep changing. So now I'm going to try and reinvent the wheel. Now he's going to try to reinvent the wheel, he's going to crash. He's going to get nowhere with it. This is tried and tested and proven over the centuries. Now everything will roll on the same wheel, on the same concept. 
So now somebody who's experienced it, who's seen the ups and downs of this whole path, who's taken thousands of people along, and who's experienced reached that level, and in the light of that experience he's presented something. Now somebody wants to still go and now reinvent the wheel, he'll pass his time, and a lot of time has been wasted, he may come to the realization that he's wasting a lot of time going in things that are not taking him where he should be going. So this is tried and tested and proven, so this is what we need to now take to heart, inshallah in the days to come, we will read a little bit now and then take it from there. As we go along, inshallah, in the days to follow, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq that we take these aspects to heart, start practicing upon them and make it a part of our life. And inshallah, this will pave the way for all the other qualities that we should be adopting. So this kitab is titled, Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala by Shaykh Al-Arab Al-Ajam Arif Billah Hazrat Mawlana Shah Kimod Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Ali. So it says there are four actions which if one adopts, insha'Allah, he will become the waliullah, the friend of Allah Ta'ala before he passes away. So this is a process, it's not something that a person now, he did it one for one day and everything will just now be done, but he's consistent on it. And this consistency will develop what is the goal and the objective. So with the blessing of practicing on these four actions, inshallah, he will gain the ability of practicing on all the other commands of deen. This is due to the fact that generally people find these actions difficult, since it is difficult on the nafs. And this is the core issue. The person who has gained control over his nafs and has annihilated his nafs, then the road is open for him. This is the thing to achieve. So now this too comes back to the same point that people find these aspects difficult on the nafs. So therefore if a person who has acquired this, so then the other things are very easy because this is the difficult part. The student who manages to answer the difficult questions in the question paper will have no problem answering the easy questions. Hence, the one who suppresses his nafs for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and practices on the following actions, it will become easy for him to practice on the entire deen, and he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala. Becoming the wali of Allah Ta'ala, this wilayat, this is what this month of Ramadan is all about. Allah Ta'ala has given us the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan, Allah says, is for acquiring taqwa, fasting, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may acquire taqwa. And in another ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, In awliya'uhu illa al-muttaqoon. The friends of Allah Ta'ala are only the muttaqeen. Only those who have taqwa. So in the light of both these ayat together, the month of Ramadan is in a way to say it as a man of speaking, Allah Ta'ala is Sending his hand of friendship to every banda to become his friend. Allah Ta'ala is asking each one, there's the opportunity, become my friend. So now the wilayat that is being invited towards is not just a by the way thing, a very great thing that Allah Ta'ala himself is inviting every person, this is your opportunity to become my friend, adopt taqwa. 
So this is the prescription now, that four things to bring into our lives, inshallah, which will pave the way. It's not everything, that this is the whole of deen, but this will pave the way. These are very important fundamental aspects in deen. This will pave the way for the rest of deen to be brought into our lives as well. Now, the four actions that are here, there are two actions which relate to the external self, to our appearance. And there are two other actions which relate to our internal selves. So these two actions that relate to the external self, Alhamdulillah, we are here in the masjid, in the house of Allah Ta'ala, we've had some exposure to deen, to the environments of deen. Generally, this is the case. So once a person has taken the step in these things, then it sounds like, what is difficult about it? The easiest of things, there's nothing, there is no question about any difficulty in it. But that is what it is for the person who, alhamdulillah, with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala, has taken the step. Oh, he grew up in that, alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala's fazal. But for a person who is not there, then this becomes a very difficult step to take. Shaitan becomes very strong in the way. And for such people, taking the step breaks a very big barrier. It requires little himmat, courage. Sometimes it is due to the obstacles around, obstacles of people who are near and dear sometimes. They start becoming an obstacle. You now want to keep a beard, then you want to become a very big saint of the time. You have this problem and this is a very big deception of shaitan. Recently one Somebody sent one email, so now some girl who wants to adopt niqab, so now she decided to adopt the niqab, she is now 13, 14 years old, so now the immediate family members are all becoming an obstacle. See, we know you better than you know yourself. We know all the issues of your life. So you first sort all that out, then you come to this. So now, when will that get sorted out? So now that might get sorted out, may not get sorted out, but this will never happen. So now why, why does this happen now? Why people come into the way in this manner? If this person starts wearing the niqab, for example, then it might cast us in a bad light, because we're not doing it. So now this is how shaitan plays games. So now somebody wants to keep a beard, so now maybe somebody else who's close, somebody in his own household, somebody... Now they'll have some other point about him, that you're such a big shaitan yourself, you want to keep a beard and just deceive everybody. So now why? Because if he keeps a beard, now people will ask me, where's your beard? So now this is all the tricks that nafs plays, and shaitan plays. How to try and keep ourselves just out of that scrutiny, so now we stop others also. We stop others from doing the right thing, so that we don't come into the eye of others. So, number one, we, are, we end up doing things wrong ourselves and then become a means of leading others in the wrong path. That is a compounded problem. So, in any case, this is the common deception of nafs and shaitan, that if you are not doing ten things correctly, then there shouldn't be any reason to do the eleventh thing right. So, in other words, if a person knows Allah, he is not performing his salah, so the month of Ramadan comes, see what's the point in fasting? 
You don't perform your salah, so there's no point in you fasting also. No person, any person thinks like that. It's obviously, everybody will realize this person is completely off the track. He's completely lost. If a person is performing his salah and he starts fasting, Alhamdulillah, he's fasting, he should be encouraged to perform his salah as well. That this too is farz, and that too is Allah Ta'ala's obligation. Allah has made that farz as well. So you should be doing both. Not that because you're not doing that, don't do this also. So likewise, these are things which for people who haven't taken the step, it becomes like a very, very difficult thing. But all it requires is a little bit courage. Turning to Allah Ta'ala, begging Allah Ta'ala's help, and taking the step. Person who has taken the step, he shouldn't regard himself as better than somebody else. Regard the wrong action as wrong, but never regard ourselves as better than anybody, till that last final result has not come out on the day of Qiyamah. We don't know where we stand, and we don't know where somebody else stands. The wrong action is wrong. We will not be able to, can never condone something wrong. But we can never make any decision and judgment about our end result or anybody else's end result. So in any case, the two things that are the external aspects, the first action, keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. The following is reported in the narration of Bukhari Sharif, خالف المشركين وفر اللحا وحف الشوارب that Nabiya Kareem said oppose the idolaters lengthen the beard and shorten the mustache further it is mentioned in Bukhari Sharif as well that when Hazrat Ibn Umar who used to go for Hajj Umrah he would take hold of his beard in his fist whatever amount of the beard was in excess of the fist he would trim it. So now, Ibn Umar in particular, is a Sahabi who was very, very prominently known for his adherence to the Sunnah of Rasulullah Very fine details he would be careful about. Very particular, what we will call minor detail. So now, this is very significant that Imam Bukhari rahimahullah quotes and presents the the amal of Ibn Umar in this there are two things that is being expressed. One is, what did Hazrat Ibn Umar regard and understand as being the minimum length of the beard? So he held his beard in his fist, that indicates the length of the beard which is the minimum length. Unless it hasn't even grown ever to that length yet, then that's obviously whatever length it has grown to. But if it has grown to that length and beyond, then that is the minimum length. To trim it, to cut it to below that, or to shave it completely, and this is not in, this is not correct, this is not permissible. And then that Ibn Umar who was so particular about the Sunnah, and this is indicative of what he saw in Nabi Karim That this was the length of the beard where it was kept at the length of one fist. So it would grow a little beyond sometimes over time, but then it would be trimmed to the extent of a first length. In another hadith sharif, it is narrated that Rasulullah said, In shawarib wa'fulluha. Make the mustache extremely short and lengthen the beard. It is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one first. Just as it is wajib to perform witr salah and eid salah on eidul fitr and eidul adha, similarly it is wajib to keep a beard to the extent 
of one fist in length. Therefore, the beard should be to the extent of one fist under the chin as well as to the right and left, to the end of the jaw on either side. This is an explanation of something prior to it. It is wajib to grow the beard to one fist on all three sides. Some people grow the beard to one fist under the chin, but trim it to less than a fist on either side. This is incorrect. If any of the three sides the beard has been shortened to lesser than one fist, to even the extent of one grain of rice, a few millimeters, this action will be haram and a major sin. So this was the first action. Inshallah we'll continue from here. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq that we bring all these matters in our life and we become very concerned about our islah. Islah as mentioned is related to every aspect of life. Not confined to any one or two things. That's the dua we should be making that our complete islah and tazkiyah is achieved with the fazal of Allah Ta'ala and we also Make an effort accordingly. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, 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 We have some time now. Those who wish to rest may rest as well, but sometime, this is one of the opportunities we have. One of the very important things is the correct recitation of the Qur'an Sharif. So, mashallah, we have many huffaz in our gathering, many ulama'i kiram, in fact, so, those of us who may not be able to recite the Qur'an Sharif, for whatever reason we didn't get the chance to learn it, or we do know how to recite the Qur'an Sharif, but we have not yet corrected our tajweed, we can take some time, find out who can help us, and inshallah the ulama, the hufaz will make themselves available for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever time we can try and make available and try to correct the recitation of the Qur'an Sharif. The Qur'an Sharif is the Kalam of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the haq of the Kalam of Allah Ta'ala that we recite it and recite it correctly. So we should try and correct that. Likewise, our Salah, correcting our Salah, the recitation of the aspects in Salah, our postures of Salah. So we should try and, inshallah, take this opportunity. Mashallah, there are many people present that will be able to assist us with this. In fact, what we should try and maybe the request to the Ulamai Kiram, the Hufaz, just make yourselves known after the program just by sitting in different places for a while. Whoever wishes so that the contact can be made and then in the next few days we can try and inshallah build up on this. Allah Ta'ala give us coffee.